Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Maybe it's happened at home, even in the evening, and load shedding hits, and all the lights go off all of a sudden. There's all this total darkness, and all that darkness can be scary. Because when we think about darkness, we instinctively think about evil. I was reading about the problem our country is facing with illegal miners. Maybe you know about this as well. There's this group of people, this gang called the Zamazamas. These guys literally live in darkness because they live under the ground in abandoned mines all over South Africa. And the problem with these people who lurk around in the dark is that they make it hard for the police to do something about it. Because there's all these trenches and, and pathways where they used to hide and get away from the police. And so the police actually had to publicly admit that they are afraid to go down into these dark, scary places because they're afraid of getting stuck. And one of the scary things the Zamazamas then would do is they would kidnap people and take them down into these abandoned mines and make them work. You have to deliver a whole plate of sort of ground that can be sifted through for gold and all these other minerals. And if you don't do what is expected, they will even kill you. This is a reality that we face in our country. These gangs are a realistic picture of the dark and evil times that we are living in. These guys are literally living in darkness and conveying the evil that is going on in their hearts. Now can you imagine being stuck in one of these mines? In total darkness, day after day after day. Slaving away in the fear of your life. You can imagine how your thinking starts to get confused. We become overwhelmed with sadness and hopelessness. But then all of a sudden you see this small ray of light. And because of all this darkness around you, you're instantly drawn to that light. You become like a moth who is drawn to the light because this ray of light shows you that there is in fact life. This light shows you that there's freedom. This glimmer of light shows you that there is still hope. This light draws you out to see what is actually going on. Because we all know that where there is light, there is clarity. 
where there's light, there's clarity. All throughout the Old Testament, we see how God uses this very picture of light as a means to show the world of sin, evil, and darkness that there is another way of living your life. Listen to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 42 verse 6 says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. To open up the eyes that are blind. To bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. From the prison those who sit in darkness. In a very dark and dangerous world where people are lost in their sin and stuck in darkness, God promises that He will still call people to Himself, to the light, so they can live as a light to the nations. A light that helps to open the eyes that cannot see, to help those stuck in the prison of sin who sit in darkness. To come to the light and to walk with the God of light. Isaiah 60 verse 19 says, The sun shall be no more your light by day, for nor the brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. The God that we come to worship here today, this very morning, is the God of light. The God that will be our everlasting light. And as the nation of Israel were following God's commands and following God's instructions, they were being a light to the people around them. They were glimmers of hope in a dark world and not everything is lost in darkness. Or at least that is what they were supposed to be. And in fact, this is a picture, even this text in Isaiah is a as a prophecy about the one true light, Jesus, that will come into this dark world and who would be the everlasting light to all the nations. Because then we open up the New Testament to the Gospel of John and we see the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and He says this, John 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When Jesus stepped into our broken world, He was the true light that stood out from all the darkness of sin and evil. And because He is the light, He says that if you follow Him and if you place your trust in Him, you will no longer walk in darkness. True life is found in the light of Christ. True life is found by walking in the light. And so as you've been coming to church for the last couple of weeks, you know that we have been talking about this series regarding walking with God. What does it mean to be in a close relationship with the Creator of the universe and to live each day where He is your total reality? And not only does walking with God mean that we walk faithfully over a long period of time time in obeying what God has commanded us, 
But we saw that we are walking in eagerness to pursue the unity as we walk in love as beloved children of God. And doing this together with the people God has united us to. And if we are going to walk with God like this, we need to be walking in the light. Because as our text will tell us today, that if you are in Jesus Christ and the Spirit of Christ is in you, you are the light. Believer, you need to hear this. You do not become the light. You are the light. Please take your Bibles and turn again with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. Last week we looked at the start of chapter 5, where Paul exhorted us to walk in love and to imitate the, the love of Christ by giving up of ourselves for the good of others, because when we do that, it is a sweet-smelling, acceptable sacrifice to God. See, Paul's trying to help the church to really grab hold of the, the reality that when you are a believer, your life is going to look different from the dark world around you. And that is because Jesus, who is the light, has taken up residence in your heart. And so Paul wants to continue to show the church what it means to walk with God, but specifically now, walking as the children of light. So let's read together Ephesians chapter 5 and we're going to start in verse 1 again and we'll read up until verse 14 and so we'll focus on a big chunk today. We're going to really have to do some work today because we're going to be studying verses 3 to 14. So let's just read the text together. Paul says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that... Everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfaithful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I think we all get the imagery that light makes things better, right? 
If you've ever struggled to find your way in the dark, you know how helpful it is that even the smallest amount of light helps you to see where you're going or what you're looking for. Now the same is true with our walk with God because of all the evil that we have around us, we need the light of God's Word to help us walk in the light. Because Jesus is the light and we are His children by faith, then we are to walk as the light in this dark world. What does it mean? What does it look like? I think that's what Paul's going to show us today. If we are going to walk in the light, it means that we're going to have to walk in constant worship. Here's our outline. We've got to walk in constant worship. We have to walk in fruitfulness. And we have to walk by exposing the darkness. We need to walk according to who we are. And as we walk with God through this dark world, we live in such a way where the light of the transforming power of the gospel is made powerfully evident. And if that's going to be true, then walking in the light and as the light means we walk in constant worship of God. We walk in constant worship of God. Look at how Paul gets to the root issue when it comes to living a life of darkness. He's going to point out how sexual sin Greed and how we talk are all darkness problems and essentially a worship problem. This is verses 3 to 6. The text says again, But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. He says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. See, one of the things this world is as good at doing is it's making us think that what is evil is actually not that bad. However, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus who are surrounded by all the sexual sin and greed and, and this foul language that he clearly points out to them that what a life of darkness then looks like. He wants them to see the contrast. And what we, he shows us is that the dark life is this entertaining of sexual sin and a, and a lack of holiness. And that is in fact a very hard issue and therefore a worship issue. He says that these dark and evil deeds should not even be named among the people of light. It's another way of saying it. There's this contrast between light and darkness. And it's so clear that there's no room to try and blend the two. Because you can't do it. People who are the light of Christ should not be entertaining the sin of darkness. And then he points out what these worship issues are. He says, firstly, sexual immorality and impurity. Sexual immorality and impurity. Now we know that we live in this sexually immoral, mad culture today. We know that people can effortlessly access explicit content that only feed into the sinful desires of the human heart. We know homes get broken where there's all this adultery. We know that the, the sin of self-satisfaction can be enslaving. And yet... Knowing who you are in Christ, Paul exhorts us to fight the darkness of sexual sin by walking in the light. 
Walking in the light. The word for sexual sin is the word porneia, which covers basically any kind of sexual perversion. And I think that's what we need to be careful of. Because sometimes the world tries to rename sin when actually we should call it what it is. Let me give you a simple example. And maybe this will surprise you. When a movie is rated PG-16, and it has those words S, N, and L next to it, we know there's going to be some kind of explicit sexual scene or some nudity. And instead of avoiding that movie altogether, we kind of rename it by saying it's only for adults. It's for the adults. Kids can't watch this stuff. It's for the mature, the adult. So it's okay for adults to be exposed to this, this dark, evil stuff, but it's not okay for kids. Impurity is kind of the same. It's a word that covers any type of filth. The pictures of uncleanness or being dirty. So even if you maybe watch this R-rated movie meant for adult eyes only, then no wonder you can even feel dirty if you're exposed to some of this inappropriate content. Because even adults are not meant to find entertainment in these things. Same word is used by Jesus when he talks about decaying bodies that's lying in a dark tomb. Very graphic picture. And often when this word of impurity is used in the New Testament, it's connected with sexual sin. It can refer to anything from immoral thinking and, and fantasy worlds and, and any other form of sexual corruption. But when we walk in the light, we are not trying to manage the sin of darkness. We're not trying to manage our sexual immorality and trying to be okay with being dirty. No, instead of trying to manage our sin, we want to kill it. Colossians 3 verse 5 says clearly, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because there it is. At the heart of sexual sin is a worship problem. It's a worship problem. Because sexual sin results in not honoring God and trusting God for what He has given us for our good. It's worshipping self when you need to be worshipping God instead. It also ties in with walking in love. Because when you are in love with yourself and your own desires, then you will worship your desires and seek to satisfy them more than you want to obey and honor God. And so Paul is like children of light. This stuff should not even be named among you. If you're in the light, then see how the sin of sexual darkness is not compatible with the light. Same is true of greed. Covetousness. Greed is this insatiable desire for more. It's about wanting something more than you want God. Which again is another worship problem, isn't it? You know the words of Jesus in Luke 12, he he says how easy it is to be greedy. He knows. He says, take care and be on guard against all covetousness, all greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 
See, just how people like to rename sin, we like to redefine it with things like greed. I mean, I'm not really greedy, am I, if I just want more stuff so that I can be a blessing to other people. But the thing is, when you are full, when you are full from walking with God and enjoying your worship of God constantly, then instead of storing up treasures on earth, you direct them to heaven. And you use your resources and your money and your time to advance the light because you are the light. But then Paul also talks about how we talk. He says again there in verse 4, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Instead of taking a joke too far or to minimize how dirty that joke might even be, believers are to have a mouth that is full of worship and thanksgiving. Filthy talk is disgraceful talk. It's the kind of talk that leaves a bad taste in someone's mouth. Foolish talk is stupid talk. The kind that is embarrassing. The, the word Paul uses here is morologia. Morologia, from which we get the word moron. Stupid. This is typically the kind of talk from someone who's drunk and has no filters. But we all know that you don't have to be drunk to be a fool. But people who walk in the light and as the light are going to have mouths that constantly give thanks. Because when we give thanks, we not only develop a heart of thankfulness, but a language of thankfulness. I like how one Bible scholar says it. This is good. He says, Thanksgiving is an antidote for sin. For it is not possible to give real thanks and sin at the same time. Would you agree with that? It's not possible to give real thanks and sin at the same time. So how about this? Instead of wanting to mess around in the dark with sexual sin, you come into the light by giving thanks for Christ and who He has made you in Jesus. Instead of giving fuel to your greed and wanting more, you stop and give thanks for what you already have. Instead of wanting to join the world in this filthy, stupid, crude language, why don't you stop and worship God instead by giving thanks? You can easily be in a conversation where everyone around you is talking in a way that doesn't honor the Lord. And when you stop and start to give thanks, it can change the whole environment. Because sexual sin, greed, corrupt language really just indicates that self-worship that is going on in the heart of people. When we worship ourselves, then we worship our own pleasures. But when we walk in worship of God, then we see past these renaming and redefining of sin and we see what God has instructed us and given us for our good. And Paul is so passionate about believers walking in the light and that these things should not even be named among the people of God. That he gives this intense warning here in verses 5 and 6. 
He says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Bit of a twofold warning here. First in verse 5 he says that if you are someone that persists by walking in darkness as a way of living your life and you keep entertaining sexual sin, greed, and speaking in a way that doesn't honor God, in other words, self-worship, then you are not part of the kingdom of light. And Paul must have taught this truth before because he says that you can be sure of this truth, church. They can be certain about this warning, the church in Ephesus, because he has spoken to them about this issue before. Now, the fact that Paul is even giving the Ephesians this warning surely indicates to us that Christians can struggle in this area. But to the Corinthians, Paul said the same thing. 1 Corinthians 6.11, he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then what? And such were some of you. That's what you're like before Jesus. Stepped into your darkness of your heart and Shown the light of truth on your heart. So however, what Paul's trying to do is to help them see how foolish these dark worldly pursuits are from a kingdom perspective. Because when we look at all these sinful deeds in comparison to the light of God's kingdom, then it causes the believer to rather want to pursue righteousness instead of settling for the foolish instant pleasures of this life. We need a kingdom perspective of light to make sense of all the filth around us so that we can feel the weight of this warning. Because secondly, in verse 6, Paul says that we need to be careful that no one comes along and makes us think that sin is not that big of a deal. He doesn't want us to think that living an unrepentant life where you're not turning from this sin. And walking in this sin is not a big deal. That God will not judge you or discipline you for a life of constant sin. I mean, let me just give you one more example from how serious God takes this kind of sin. If you know the story of Numbers 25, Old Testament, the Israelites had intimate relations with the, with the Moabite woman. And it's all happening in a context where people are worshipping these false gods and everyone's just doing what they want. And in the end, God wipes out 24,000 people. 24,000 people. Because verse 3 said, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. The wrath of God comes upon the disobedient. Paul doesn't want us to be fooled about that. Don't be fooled to think you can play around with sin and not be repentant over that sin. 
Don't let people come around talking with you and trying to convince you that living a life of sin is not that big of a deal. But those who are walking with God and are walking in the light notice that God is truly satisfying. Jesus is truly satisfying. More satisfying than the sins of this dark world that have become so normal. Because not only do we walk in worship, when we walk in the light, we also walk in fruitfulness. Walking in the light and as the light means we walk in fruitfulness. This is the next section, verses 7 to 10. Paul writes, he says, Therefore do not become partners with them. These people who come to try and lead you astray. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk then as children of light, for the fruit of light is what? Is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. My daughter is busy with an experiment at school. What she has to do is she has to take all these different plants and give them all different conditions to test and see what happens. Some of them are in darkness. Some of them have no water. And the one of them is, is, is in the light with water. And so which one do you think is going to grow best? Pretty obvious, right? The one that has everything it needs. The one that's in the light. The more light there is, the better the growth. And the same is true for believers. The more we are exposed to the light, the more we will grow. And so here in verse 7 onwards, Paul explains that one of the ways you display the fruit of light, firstly, is by not joining those in darkness. Don't be like someone who was stuck in the mine, who saw the light and moved toward the light, only to go back into the mine. To go back into the darkness. And the reason he gives is because of the fundamental change that has happened in your life. Because you see here, he doesn't say that at one time you were in the darkness. He says you were darkness. You were darkness. The darkness wasn't here. But now you are light. Light in the Lord. That is what the transforming power of the gospel has done in your life. So if you are going to bear the fruit of that light, then avoid partnering with those in darkness. See, the word for partner can be understood as having intimate communion. This is where you like sharing in the deeds of one another. But of course, this is negatively explained here by Paul. And so Paul knows that as believers, we need to be he knows we need to be light in this dark world. Because we are the light. But that means that we live in this world as the light. We don't partake in doing the evil of this world. Guess what? You can go to a concert and not get drunk. And what helps in those moments is to remember what God has done in changing you. 
Because when we look back at who we used to be, it helps us appreciate and be motivated by the light in this dark world. Which means as you and I keep pursuing holiness in our life, we constantly have to remember the darkness that God has saved us from. But also the light we have become. I mean, every time I remember, every time this happens, every time I hear people standing around me in a conversation and there's just this, all this profanity and all this swearing, it reminds me of what God saved me from. Because that was me. That was me. So we show the fruit of light by not joining people in their sinful activities and also reminding ourselves what God has saved us from. That we are light because of Christ. But we also do it when we do what is good and right and true. He says, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Good here is being good in both nature and effectiveness. In other words, it's when we do good to others and not expect anything in return. It's the same fruit that... We talked about when we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Right can also be understood as righteousness because we recognize that Jesus has given us His righteousness in exchange for all the darkness of our sin. And because of that, we keep pursuing living right or righteous lives. And then another fruit is truth. Or what is true, Paul says, because people who walk in the light display the fruit of truth. We don't try and hide things from people in the darkness. Because truth has to do with honesty and reliability. It's someone that's trustworthy and reliable. It's someone that is known for applying God's truth rather than getting involved with the things of darkness. And the more you are exposed to God's truth, which is our light, then the more you will display the fruit of what is good and right and true. Why? Because this is who God is. God is always good, right, and true. When life and all its enticing sins are looking to draw you back into the darkness, you can display the fruit of light by not joining other people in their sin, by remembering what God has saved you from, and by doing what is good and right and true, but then also, verse 10, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Every day you and I are faced with decisions. Where are we going to have to choose between living in the light of light and following Christ? Or are we going to follow the things of this dark world? And for that we need discernment. Discernment. Discernment is the ability and the wisdom to distinguish between what will please God and what won't. What will please God and what won't. Because it can be hard. We talked about this when we saw the life of Enoch. That you are going to have to walk against the culture of your day. And people might even turn their back on you. Because of you walking in the light. But when you are walking in the light, then you have this, this amazing opportunity to discern what is actually pleasing to the Lord because there is no discernment, church. There is no discernment in darkness. 
if you're maybe stuck in the dark, you're going to struggle to make sense of anything. Your fight for holiness is going to be confusing. All this doubt, all this guilt, it's going to be confusing. Reading these warning passages in verses 5 and 6 is going to be confusing. But when you are walking in the light, not only does God bring more clarity to who He is, but He brings clarity to how we can walk in the grace of Jesus Christ. And when you walk in the light, you are going to expose the darkness. That's number three. To walk in the light, we are walking in constant worship of God, but we are also walking in the fruit of that light. And now thirdly, we walk by exposing the darkness. Paul says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. For it's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. See, again, Paul is so helpful here because he knows how challenging it can be to live in a fallen world. And yet, one of the things that is going to happen when you are spending more time with Jesus, when you are spending more time in the light every single day, you are going to start exposing the darkness around you. So not only are we to avoid the darkness, Paul says, but we need to expose it. The word expose can be described as correcting or convincing. Correcting or convincing. It's like you're in a conversation. And the people are starting to talk negatively about someone else who's not there. And now it's become slanderous. And with the aim to please the Lord, you don't join these people in slandering the other person. And because you rather use your words to give thanks, it brings light to the darkness of that person who's slandering other people. And your testimony of light was this correcting and convincing, exposing of their sin. And these people feel convicted. Look at how this person honored the Lord in their words. And look at my sin of slandering. And so not, Paul's not saying we, don't, we just simply ignore evil. We expose it. Because when we ignore it, it's like we are helping to promote it. And when we are confronting the evil and darkness of this world, we do so with a conviction to walk in faithfulness. To walk in unity. To walk in love. To walk in the light with the aim to live holy lives that can bring the corrective change to those around us. And one of the ways we pursue this kind of holy living is to bring our own sins into the light as well. To not try and fight against our flesh and our sinful desires in the dark by ourselves, but rather we bring them into the light. Because in the light there's forgiveness, there's grace, and there's growth. Paul says when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. And because it becomes visible, it becomes light. 
like I take a, a piece of glass and I think it's a diamond and I'm holding it up to the light to see if it's actually a diamond whether, or whether it's this fake piece of glass. We do the very same thing with the Word of God. We take what is going on in our lives, the sin and the lies that we face in this dark world, and we hold it up against the light of God's Word, His truth. So we can see what really is light. We need to become people who are willing to let other people see what's going on in here. We need to stop hiding the stuff we're struggling with. And we need to find help in the light. Paul ends this section with a quote from the Old Testament. He says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Many people have come to understand that these words were used as a call for people to come to the light. This was potentially a kind of hymn that was sung by the, the early church and was used as an invitation to unbelievers who might be part of the service. And these are words that Paul quotes and relates to Isaiah 60 verse 1. And these are words that capture the essence of the gospel. Awake, sleeper, describes the person who is asleep and dead in their sin, captured in darkness. Arise from the dead. The powerful, graceful words of God that call the dead person to repent of their sins. And then Christ will shine on you. The good news that God provided a remedy, a solution for every sinful person who will come to the light. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're stuck in darkness. Maybe you're confused. God says, rise and shine. Rise from the dead and shine and the light of Christ will keep shining on you as you walk in the light with Him. Helping you fight sexual sin. Helping you be more thankful. Helping you be more discerning. And helping you expose the sin of darkness in your own heart. Because as we walk in the light and as the light, we are walking in constant worship of God. Dead people who have been made alive. Awake, O sleeper. We're displaying the fruit of light, doing what is good and right and true, because that is the God we see when we are in the light, that is always good and right and true. Giving us the discernment to know what is good and honoring to Him. And as we walk by exposing the darkness, having our lives be this corrective and persuasive influence so that others might follow the light as well. Let me close with the words of Jesus. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works. And here's the result. This is the aim of life. This is the aim of walking in the light and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is light to our lives, that it's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Father, I pray, if there's anyone here today stuck in darkness, that you would cause them to be awake. If there's anyone here dead in their sin, we pray that you would raise them to newness of life in Christ. We pray that the face of Jesus will shine upon them. Father, we pray for us as a church who, as we consider the series of walking with you, Lord, we don't want to walk with you in an academic sense. We want to walk with you in a personal and practical ways. And again, we saw today, Lord, this means walking in constant worship of you. Lord, there are so many things that fight for our worship. So many sins that entice the self-worship in our own hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would turn from them. I pray that you would fill us up with the beauty of Jesus so we can keep walking in fullness of Him, able to discern what is right and what is wrong, able to know how we should engage and how we should draw back, giving us a the insight, Lord, to know how we can be this persuasive influence to those around us, Lord, but being willing to expose our own weaknesses. Even as we gather and talk with people and discipleship and small groups and getting into one another's lives, Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of people that bring our sins into the light, knowing that Christ has died for them. We thank you, Lord, again for your word that just shines into our hearts here today and shows us where we need to change. Help us by your grace. Thank you for the complete sacrifice that Christ has made on our behalf. That none of us can take one step in our own strength. But help us, Lord, to be constantly drawn to the light so we can walk as Lord.